Welcome to episode number three of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name is Anne Conkley, and I'm your host, and I'm so glad to be here. This is a fun topic for me today and we're, because it's is really the um, heart of what we do here, which is talking about nurses living the good life. And one of the questions that I get asked the most is, how did you start doing this business and how did you become a nurse who lives the good life, which is what I consider myself to be? And so um, in order to answer that question and do it, it's due diligence. I'm going to dial it back here, and uh, we're going to start from the beginning, so bear with me. Um, when I was maybe six or seven, I remember being with my family one night. We were sitting at our uh, family room on our couch, and I was watching, um, I think it was a Dateline segment or maybe 60 Minutes or something, and it was a water birth on TV. And I remember seeing the blow-up pool, and I saw the lights on, and I remember this woman and watching her birth this baby and I was in absolute awe. I mean, I just was, I'll never forget the moment of sitting there and thinking, this is exactly like, this is the most exciting thing that I've ever witnessed. And I don't think I knew at that point I wanted to be a midwife. I certainly didn't know that uh, or that I had a, a, um, you know interest in becoming a nurse, but I definitely knew that whatever birth was, was something that I wanted more of and I wanted to understand it. So um, when I was a senior in high school, I had to do a senior project for my um, alma mater, Laurel School, which is in Shaker Heights here in uh, Cleveland, um, relatively close to where I live now. And um, we had to do a senior project. And so my goal was to work with an OBGYN and also a midwife. And I did that over four weeks. And during the course of those four weeks, when I was with the, the OBGYN, I got a chance to glove up and to, you know, uh, get into a birth and to help him catch twins. And it was, it was one of these moments that I'll, again, never forget. It was this moment of just being in this space of, I love this. I don't know what this is. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know, you know, when it will happen, but I want this, right? And you'll see a theme with this. I don't, I don't know why, but I want it. Um, and so that was kind of the second, um, my second experience, so to speak, with birth, and I, I was hooked. So when I went to college, I decided to go to Loyola University in Chicago, uh, and I liked Loyola because they had a Rome Center program, interestingly enough, and being someone who travels, and you'll know if you follow me on Instagram or any sort of social media, you see that I, I do love to travel, um, always have and always will. And so I chose Loyola because it, it the day we visited, it had this gorgeous, I mean, bright blue skies in Chicago in the summertime. We were on the lake. It was fantastic. And and still some of the reasons that I love that campus uh, and the city of Chicago to this day. And uh, and we we visited my mom and I and it was it was gorgeous. And in addition, um, we uh, I knew I learned at that time about the Rome Center and about being able to take uh, a semester abroad in Rome, Italy, and to study there. And I thought that was absolutely fantastic that I could combine you know, this gorgeous school and going to Rome and, and do it all under the guise of going to college. So I made my decision to start at Loyola, and I did that. Um, I got there and pretty quickly you know, had to make a decision about becoming a nurse and going into nursing school or um, going the pre-med track. I started off in the pre-med track, which was fine. Um, and But I remember at a point starting to think about midwifery as an option. I had to do a paper, I think, in one of my women's studies courses on midwifery. And so I, um, I started to think about midwifery as an option. And, and, and I remember this 
all of a sudden knowing I was sitting in physics class again these moments you know if you think back in your life like what what characterizes these moments where you did something very decisive and something that really rung true for you at that time I was sitting in physics class and I was like this is some bullshit like I do not want to be here get me out. And I remember in that moment saying, what am I doing? I want, you know, I've got tons of nurses in my family. Nursing feels very familiar to me. I want to get out and I want to do midwifery and I'm going to use nursing school as the vehicle to get me uh, to practice as a midwife. And, um, and so I literally was sitting there and I stood up, I put my books away and I walked out and I was so excited. I dropped uh, that same day, I dropped the course and um, said, you know, I'm going to become a nurse. Then I went and had a conversation with the dean of uh, the uh, science, you know, like the uh, arts and science program. And I think she referred me over to the nursing school dean who said, well, you know, you're, if you want to transfer into nursing, you're going to, you can't go to Rome. And I was like, well, you know, the hell with that. I'm going to go to Rome and I guess I'll have to figure nursing out on the back end. And she looked at me and she's go, she just said, I think you need to do some soul searching. And I said, I remember not having the chutzpah or like the guts to really kind of uh, having a quick comeback for her, but I'll never forget thinking, oh, no, no, I know exactly what I want. And no one's going to tell me I'm not going to Rome because I'll figure that out. Like, I will make this happen. So um, I went to Rome. I, I decided I would continue in uh, the Bachelor of uh, Science program with a psychology major and a women's health minor. I finished up that program. I went to Rome. It was fantastic. One of the best semesters of college. It was so fun. And then I decided I would apply to um, Loyola's Accelerated Bachelor's uh, Program for Nursing, which they had, uh, while I was at Loyola, they had designed and, and started. So I got into the Accelerated Program. I, I really despised most days of it, to be very honest. I spent one day on L&D. Um, which was like my most favorite day of uh, um, school. Every other day was just like pulling teeth and, you know, that question of like, it's like when would you rather comes up and it's like, would you rather go and pass meds or change a male fully? And I was like, I would rather stick out pokers in my eyes than do any of that shit. But whatever, if that's what I got to do to eventually become the nurse who then goes and has to work a year on L&D, who then can apply for midwifery school, like I'm all in, Right. So I did all that. I finished up nursing school. I went and got a job at Loyola University Medical Center and started on L&D straight out of nursing school, got a a position, which was pretty impressive what I came to find out um, because many of my colleagues had not been able to start an L&D. For whatever reason, that wasn't an issue for me. So I got in there. I got my year's worth of experience in L&D, and then I applied to midwifery school at University of Illinois in Chicago, which was uh, relatively close to um, you know where we were living in Chicago and felt like a great program at the time. It was na- ranked, I think, one of the top three midwifery programs in the country at that time. So I went to, um, you know, finished up my, um, kept working part-time at Loyola, um, went to the part-time program for midwifery um, and for maternal child health at UIC. I ended up finishing that and doing the dual program uh, and then came out uh, to sit for um, certification as both a WHMP and a CNM, which I did, uh, and then got licenses both. And um, 
along the way, did some travel nursing. I ended up leaving my uh, position at Loyola, went and became a travel nurse around Chicago, got to see quite a few hospitals and um, got to know and meet quite a few midwives and uh, the variety of midwifery practices uh, in and around Chicago, um, which if you're you know listening to this and you're like, I can't get a job. Yeah, just take my strategy. Be a travel nurse, go to everywhere where there are nurse practitioners, meet people, tell them that you are an NP student and uh, see if they have a job for you. Like that's literally what I did. I left, we, uh, when I graduated from University of Illinois, Chicago in 2008, um, I had three job offers at that time, which is exciting. We made a decision to um, move back to Cleveland. My husband had finished up his degree at Kellogg and, um, and it felt like the right time for us to come back to Cleveland and we were interested in, and ready to start a family. So we moved back to Cleveland and it was so, it was such a, um, it was kind of a tough moment because the network that I had established in Chicago uh, was not non-existent in my opinion in Cleveland, right? I didn't have that network. And so I had to get into it. So I started doing, you know, coffee dates with some of the practice directors and trying to get my name out. There were no positions available though when we moved back. My aunt, though, worked at Kaiser, and she was um, she had been a longtime L&D nurse and knew many of the people in OBGYN at Kaiser. And she told me, she called me up and said, hey, they're looking for an NP, but they don't want a midwife. Is that something you'd be interested in? And at the time, like I had nothing else, right? There were no other <clears throat> pots on the stove that were, you know, nothing was simmering, nothing was like boiling, you know, far from it. Everything was just still water. We, I don't think we had even turned on the flame. And... Um, so I said, yeah, let's, I'll have a conversation. So I did. Um, I ended up getting hired and started off with Kaiser in a purely ambulatory role. I worked uh, Monday through Friday and every other Saturday. Um, and then when I would work a Saturday, I'd have a four hour session, you know, blocked on Wednesdays um, and do a half day. So I did that for about a year or two. I had my first son and I got to the point where I really wanted to catch babies and I, I didn't want to see my skills go to waste and get, you know, kind of um, cold feet or, or lose any of that that I had worked so hard to gain in midwifery school. So I negotiated with our chair at that time, and she was very supportive of uh, bringing me on to do some births. And uh, and they got me um, up and rolling, and I caught, oh, many babies, maybe like 20 or 30. We had a kind of a lower volume in terms of the practice there. And so, um, but I also, at that time, started to realize that I had an interest in learning and teaching and that I want to do, um, I really felt pulled to come back to academic medicine. So um, I interviewed for a position here in Cleveland at University Hospitals. The position was, um, uh, the first one that I interviewed was eventually not filled, uh, but they had my resume and I had made a good connection there. And so um, when a position came back up and was reposted, I went and uh, applied again and was offered the position. And so I started at UH in 2011 and then um, in a full scope midwifery role, which is great. I came in with a lot of office experience. I had done at Kaiser, um, you know, bedside ultrasound and endometrial biopsies and vulvar biopsies. And so my skills in the outpatient setting were, you know, were very good. Uh, and, uh, and I felt very confident. On L&D, however, right, I hadn't worked in uh, the sense of doing shift work for some time. Uh, and so that for me was was a transition. But but I did that it nonetheless because I knew that's where I wanted to be and I wanted to kind of be in the mix and I, I wanted to be on the cutting edge of the research and, you know, all of the practice changes. Um, I worked at UH for several years um, and probably around maybe 2000 and. 
13 or 14, I started to really get comfortable, right? And you guys know how this goes. You get, you know, the the pattern is, right? Like for all of us who are learners, and you will know this if you're in essence, someone who loves to learn, that you get in and you learn it and you love it. And then you get go out in the world and you do it and you get good at it. And you master it and then you teach it. And then all of a sudden you're bored again, right? And so that's what happened. So I got in and I, I had been there maybe three or four years. And I had a physician who I would always share call with on Thursday nights. And I did night call. I'd do the office, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then do my night call on Thursday nights and for many years. And so she was the physician who was attending on Thursday nights was a medical director for our resident continuity clinic. But interestingly, in our resident continuity clinic, we had, um, you know, 40% of the visits were done by the residents and about 60% were done by the midwives. And one nurse practitioner who was there and who quite, who did copos and, you know, who was there five days a week. So we were a large chunk of that office, but not necessarily represented. And so I went to her and said, hey, um, would you be interested in having an assistant medical director? And I knew her, you know, we had worked on night call for, for a couple of years at that point. We had a good rapport. And then I knew she was a, um, she had had a private practice in Chicago. She came from understanding, right, the operational side of running a private practice and really kind of that idea of patient experience and valued it. I came from Kaiser and knew a lot about operations and a lot about really having a well-oiled machine. And, you know, and just to give you a sense of the, the um, the shift that I went through when I left Kaiser, right? Kaiser started on an electronic medical record in 1999. I got to Kaiser in 2008 and started there and was there through 2011. When I came to UH in 2011, they had not yet implemented an electronic medical record. I mean, nothing, not no inpatient, no outpatient. And so we were all on paper. And I was... I'll never forget thing, you know, I got on the elevator the one day and I, there was a gal there and she had this like cart and it had all the charts on it. And I was like, what, what's going on? She was like, oh, I bring the charts up every day. And I was like, what do you mean you bring the charts up? And she was like, well, I get all the charts from the clinic, from the resident continuity clinic, which was, um, you know, in our hospital, actually in the neighboring hospital, they were all connected though. And she said, well, I'll, I get all the charts. And then I roll them up to L&D at 5 p.m. And then I come back at 8 a.m. and I grab them. And I was like, but what if the, the chart isn't on the cart? And she was like, mm, like, fucked if I know, you know, and she it was like not a problem. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? Like, what have I done by coming into this institution that is what feels like behind the times, right? Um, and, uh, and, and UH wasn't necessarily behind the times, right? A lot of the systems were really starting to, um, you know, uh, engage in electronic medical records. But I had seen, again, Epic at Kaiser. When I was at Loyola back in Chicago, they had begun to implement Epic. And so I felt like, you know, we were just 10 years behind what I had seen, whether or not that was the norm or not. So, um, so needless to say, it was a, it was tra- quite a transition for me to get in back into that, like, oh, paper bullshit. Um, cause you know, elect EMRs sound and seem terrible, right? Until you actually get in there and you start to get used to them and you, you know, you can optimize them or you get more efficient with them. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh God, you know, I never want to go back to paper for the most part. So, um, so I, I stayed at, at at UH, she, I asked her if I could be the assistant medical director. She was all for it. She was excited. I was too. I, we asked um, my division director and our chair, and they were both, you know, happy to, uh, to comply. My um, chair said, you know, put together a job description and, you know, let's go. 
And um, so I did that. I talked to my um, uh, my medical director at that time. She had an old job description. I took it, you know, threw on a couple, like an assistant title. And then we decided between the two of us who was going to own what and how I could support the role. And so I did. I created my own job description, presented it to our chair, and he was all for it. And that was that. I started working that role, got a little bit extra FTE so that I wasn't uh, in a, cl- a patient-facing role. Um you know, for a, for a full 1.0 FTE. And at that time, we did not have yet built in any hours for, you know, uh, administrative time. So it was a, if you were 1.0, you were working 40 hours or 40, you know, our 1.0 was about 45 hours a week. So, um, so it, I started off in the assistant medical director role. And then right along, right at that time, um, our hospital embarked on a journey to, to take this resident continuity clinic and to um, rebuild it in a separate location that was off campus. And that, um, uh, was in a few senses of the word, uh, well, many senses, like a much better offering, right, to our, our clients and our patients. Um, because, you know, we took it off campus, took away the high cost of parking, you know, created a center that was this buzzing beehive of activity so much um, so that, you know, we wanted to include um, so many services in it. We wanted to have WIC there and we wanted to have a pharmacy and a lab and to make sure that, you know, if patients were going to get to us, we wanted to, uh, you know, have it so that public transportation was, the bus stop was right outside and, you know, free parking and we wanted to make it so that it was a um, made it as easy as possible for people to get to us, and and so that they could do almost the equivalent of what I would call one stop shopping when they got in the building. Right, see your midwife, go get your labs drawn, go down to the pharmacy, get your you know pick up your iron if you need it. If you're you know you need an eyeglass prescription, it's there. If you need a visit to the dentist because you haven't had one in a while, it's there. Um, go get your WIC set up. Right, like all inclusive. Like that was the point. So we started on that journey of, of designing the center. We did many site visits to um, uh, hospitals and practices across the country who were really stood out as models of, um, of in particular, academic medicine and um, resident continuity and this very, um, you know, um, patient-centered uh, approach to healthcare. Um, so that endeavor you know, took us maybe three or four years total. And then during the course of that, my, the then medical director, she um, retired and, uh, and I was offered the medical director position. And so I didn't, I'd never got into the position thinking I wanted to be the medical director, but once it was presented to me, um, I decided, you know, I wanted to, um, to try it. And that was one of the hardest things that I've ever done was stepping into that first leadership position and and really becoming the person who, you know, um, who can tolerate the discomfort of of being a leader, right? And we all know, you know, there's there's you know you could read every leadership book that's out there, and until the rubber meets the road, and you know somebody something hard happens, and you get pushed into this place of uh, you know, being self-conscious or being uncertain or feeling discouraged or defeated or, you know, out of integrity, you know, it's, it's all like, you know, books are great, but until those moments hit, um, it's, it's not, it's not probably our, you know, the, those are two different types of leadership, right? What you read about in books and what you learn to do on the job in terms of how to work with people, how to motivate them, how to inspire them, um, and how to get shit done. So, um, I worked on um, 
you know, really becoming a better version of myself to be a medical director, but man, did I struggle. And so one of the things I thought was interesting was that we had done some professional, my director and I, my division director and I had done some professional development courses at Case. And one in particular was uh, women in leadership, Case Western Reserve University, which is in the backyard of university hospitals where I worked um, and, and where I would eventually go on to get my MBA. And so when I was, um, after we had done a couple of these courses, I thought, you know, I, I had been looking for kind of this next step for myself. And so much so that I'll never forget, and my, my old director, she, she laughs when I, we talk about this, but, you know, I sat in a performance review and with her in my chair, and he said, um, you know, what do you want to do over the next couple of years? And where do you see yourself in five years? And I was just like, not here. And they kind of both looked at me like, really? Like you just said that? And I and I said, yeah, like I don't see myself. And, and I'll never forget. And he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know how I'm going to do it or what I'm going to do, but I, I'm going to get, you know, I won't be in clinical practice. And I'll remember something interesting he said to me, which I, I, which I struggled with a little bit um, uh, for a few years, which was, you know, you have to consider you'll never never be relevant if you don't have a foot in the door clinically. And I really took that to heart and thought, well, he's probably right. And so I should just figure out what I'm going to do. Um, so, you know, fast forward, I started looking at um, the management program at Case. There was a, um, man, a master's in the science of management program that Case Western had. Uh, and so I thought, you know, maybe I'll go into admin, right? Like maybe I'll go into management because that sounds fun. You know, I can still keep a foot in the clinical door and I can go to management. You know, I'll be, it'll be all like roses and sunshine. Not really. I mean, if you've ever managed grown adults, you know that this is not a skill for the faint of heart. And, and frankly, I, I, I am uh, not uh, interested in managing grown adults. This is why I love coaching, right? Coaching is an opportunity to help you to become the best version of yourself, not to um, manage you to do certain shit and meet KPIs and meet you know performance standards and that kind of thing. So, um, so I started off in this master's in the science management program, thinking that was <laughs> what I wanted to do. Now, in the meantime, clinically, I'm still working, right? And so we've got the Rainbow Center. I've started off in this program at Case, you know, for a second master's degree, which is my trend, two bachelors, two masters. And so all that time, you know, during those moments, I had this really um, impressive shoulder dystocia that was about four minutes and 30 seconds. And uh, we we had a, a good outcome for both the mom and the baby, but it just rocked me to my core. And it, I got to a point where I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be um, the person who can't resolve a shoulder dystocia. And I just, I don't, this isn't, I love this work and I've done it my, you know, I've done it well and there's more for me out there. And this isn't going to be the thing that takes me through the next 30 years of my career. It's just, this isn't it. And, um, and I really struggled with that for a long time because I thought, what do I do if I'm not a midwife? Like, of course I've got, I'll never be relevant clinically and, you know, uh, no one will get me. I, I will, I have to work clinically in order to do something. And so I, you know, so I started this program at Case. I got in there, I got through two years, it's a two-year part-time program. I get through two years, I got to the last class and I was like, it was an interesting class. We, the professor had brought in 
all of these people who were um, in the healthcare industry and who, you know, see uh, sweet people and, um, you know, executives and um, consultants and, and he would interview one every week, right? And it was just this idea of like what you could do with management in healthcare. And we got through that class and I'll never forget, I went up to him and I was like, oh, I don't want to do any of this. And he was like, huh. Okay. And I was like, I mean, I think it's a great class. Thank you so much for putting it on. Learned a lot. And what I really learned was that I don't want to do any of this shit. I don't want to do consulting. I don't want to be a, a CNO, which I had, you know, for years kind of thought, well, I'll just go the route of becoming a president or a CNO. I no, Mm-mm. terrible. So I, he <laughs> said, okay, this is uh, my professor for Trubra over at Case. And he said, all right, well, have you considered doing the MBA? And I said, well, I mean, I don't know, maybe. And he said, we could transfer your credits over. You can apply them all toward the MBA, but you'd have to do another year. And I was like, well, sign me up because I haven't. this isn't it. So I guess I should just keep going. So I switched over. I transferred into the MBA program. And I had to do one more year. And I got to do a handful of, of electives. And one of the electives that I was looking at was called living the good life. And here I am going through these electives. It's like, you know, uh, finance and healthcare and um operations, you know, management operations in the, you know, in health tech. And I was like, you know, no, no, no. And then I get to this one, it's called (laughs) living the good life. And I was like, what the fuck is that about? Like, I want that. And I was like, I want to like, sign me up. And yes, yes. I don't know what it is, but I want it. Right. Again, the same thing. Right. You know, you can see this similar story. Right. Sitting in front of the birth. I don't know what that is, but I know I like it. You know, sitting in front of like catching twins. I don't know what it is, but I really I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I want it. It was the same thing with living in the good life. And it was a course on entrepreneurship. So I got in there and um, and it was fascinating. You know, uh, my professor um, who ran the course, he would um, he brought in a an entrepreneur every week, and we would talk through. We'd do a little bit of um, you know teaching about entrepreneurship and uh, and models, business models, and and then he would bring in for the second half of class all of these entrepreneurs who had a variety of businesses, real estate and coaching, and um, you know book writers and um, uh, you know. Uh, health tech giants. And it was fascinating. And I, if you like um, Guy Raz on NPR, who does How I Built This, you, if you, if that resonates, that show resonates with you. This, this was like Guy Raz, like in front of me with, as my, you know, my professor is Guy Raz and interviewing all these people. And it was phenomenal. And so one of the um, people that he pulled in to be a guest speaker for uh, this class was, her name was Julie Riesler. And she is a coach, she had had a corporate career at um, Panera and had um, designed a, became a life coach and along the way had um, stepped out of Panera, opened up a business and started a business as a life coach. And so I, she came on, she was talking about this and I had just, you know, I was in the process of actually doing a coaching certificate program through Case. I had asked my chair again. I went to my chair and said, hey, there's this coaching program at Case. It's a five-day certificate program. It's under the guise of executive education. So uh, UH and Case had a um, like a corporate rate that was available. And I said, I really want to do it. I think I can, you know, bring back some of the um, stuff to, you know, work with better with some of our colleagues. And, um, and our department was going through some growth and through some struggles. And I knew that I was already the person who, you know, would feel 
revealed a lot of the questions and people would come to me and I'd often know a little bit about the backstory of what was going to happen before it happened because people trusted me and came to me with, hey, what do you think about this and what, you know, what should I do? So, um, so I had asked him and he said, yeah, no problem. Like, uh, I think we've got some nursing fund dollars that I can, uh, use for you. So I started, so I'm in this coaching certificate program, learning about becoming a coach and it was a, a coaching program geared toward becoming an executive coach. So I'm in the program. I'm also going through this living the good life class. And I had this moment where I was sitting, listening to Julie Riesler talk about building a business and being a life coach. And all of a sudden I had this aha moment where I was like, Oh my God, I want that. I don't know how to do it. Now, what was interesting was she had literally mapped out the how. She had talked about through that class exactly how she built her business. And I took notes furiously. Like, I mean, I when I say I wrote and wrote and wrote, it was unbelievable in terms of what I came out of that class with. So much so that when the class was over, I turned to my friend, Anna, who was a like my MBA buddy, right? We had done a lot of projects and taken many of the courses together. And I looked at her and people were packing up and they were, you know, going about their business, right? They were like getting ready to go. And I was like, oh my God, did any, like, did anybody hear that? And I had written notes. Like I still, I think have that notebook. I had taken pages of notes and she was like, what? And I was like, I, I'm going to be a life coach. And I just remember being like, I'm going to quit my job. Like I can do this. I want that. And she looked at me like, it was almost as if we hadn't sat in the same class. And she was like, what? And I was like, that was phenomenal. And everybody was just going about their business, like ready to go out for Thursday night beers, you know, as like the, the full-time MBA students, you know? Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. And I went home that night and I looked at my husband and I was like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start a business and I'm going to be a coach. And what I also knew at that time was that coaching was interesting because as more of an unregulated industry, I knew that I could get through as a coach without having to deal with the board of nursing, without having to deal with a collaborative agreement. We still do not yet have full practice authority in the state of Ohio as advanced practice nurses. So I just knew that that was a vehicle that I could use to help other people. But I, I just, I didn't, and I couldn't probably have articulated it at that time, but that's what happened, right? I saw, oh, there's this other way to help people and it doesn't involve being on call, getting up at 2.30 to see a triager, you know, um, wiping amniotic fluid off of my shoe, um, you know, dealing with somebody who vomits on me, right? Like dealing with prayer offs in the office. No, like none of that mattered. And I thought, oh my God, this is my ticket. Like this is the way I can, I can, I can build something. And, um, and so my husband was like, okay, great. And he had been telling me for months and years, probably like, don't run away from something. You know, have you ever heard this, this advice, which coming from my husband, I was like, oh God, if you say that to me one more time, I'm going to punch you in the face because he, he was like, don't run away from something, run to something. And I was like, I know, but I don't know what the two is. Like, what is it? Like, and, and I, I mean, my God, if I had a, if I had a, you know, I could probably fill up like a hundred yetis with the number of tears that I literally produced, uh, in such, uh, you know, being so distraught about feeling stuck and feeling restless and feeling discouraged and not knowing what I wanted to do. And so, um, so I walked in and I, I sat down, I will not forget these, you know, these moments, they stand out in your mind. I sat down in these little chairs. We had these little chairs that, 
I had ordered on early on in our marriage and they were so comfortable, but they were ugly as hell. They had this brown and white print on them. I don't know what I was thinking, but whatever. So I sit in the chair and I looked at him and I was like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to build a business as a coach. And he was like, all right, you sure about that? And I was like, yep, I'm in. And so, and, and even when I think the next day I was so excited, I looked at my calendar. I knew we had to give 120 days uh, in order to, you know, meet our um, uh, requirements for resignation and my contract. So here I am on Google and I'm like, um, you know, uh, 120 days from June 21st, because we were in the process of planning a uh, trip to Ireland for my husband's 40th in June of 2020. 19. And so I thought, what's 120 days minus, you know, whenever our flight was, I think it was June 21st. So that got me to like February 21st or 22nd. I put it in the calendar, day to resign. And then I, and, and I had this realization and took this class in the fall of 2018. Um, and so I knew I had a couple months to kind of figure out, you know, how I was going to do it and, and, and to really kind of get ready to have that conversation with my boss uh, and tell her kind of what I was doing. So I did that. I ended up, um, uh, you know, figured out, um, and I think I actually told her early, I may have told her in January because she asked me like, so what are you going to do? You think you're going to leave? And I was like, yep, I'm resigning. (laughs) I think I again surprised her kind of, but I think she was ready for it. Um, but I said, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to, I'm done June 21st. We're going to Ireland June 22nd and for two weeks to celebrate Jonathan's 40th. And then I'm going to take the summer off and I am going to, um, start a business as a coach. And it was so funny because when I started to tell people and get the word out, you know, I had a lot of people who looked at me and said, and I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm resigning. And they said, well, where are you going? And I said, I'm not going anywhere. And they said, well, what do you mean? Like, what practice are you going to? And I said, I'm, I'm not going to a new practice. And I had a couple offers over the years. You know, I uh, there were a couple things that had come up uh, and opportunities that I passed by because I knew they weren't right for me. And so I said, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm opening up a business and uh, to do coaching. And I mean, man, when I tell you I got looks, oh God, I got looks, I got comments, I got, why, you know, why would you do that? Like, what? What do you mean? Like, who does that? And I was like, I don't know. I saw this, like, I saw this gal and she came and talked about it being a life coach and she opened a business. I mean, people looked at me as though I was totally bonkers, which was fine because I was all in. Okay. I was all in. So, um, so I, you know, finished up my tenure at UH. Um, and I knew that I had had, you know, at that point, I think, um, about maybe two years, a year and a half to two years as medical director, and a year and a half as assistant medical director, I was, you know, very competent and, a, you know, a great midwife clinically. And I felt like I'd done my due diligence and done a good service to the profession of midwifery in a clinical uh, atmosphere and, and in a leadership setting. So I felt like it was a good time to depart and really start to build something new. So that's what I did. We went to Ireland. We had a phenomenal time, the four of us, my two boys and my husband celebrating uh, my husband's 40th birthday. And we went, lived it up, um, you know, got in an Audi and traveled, you know, 600 miles around the coast of Ireland and for two weeks. And it was so fun. And, um, and we came back. I took the summer off, which was phenomenal. If you've been somebody who's worked and only taken off FMLAs for the birth of your children or for, you know, being a caregiver, I'm telling you, if you go to switch jobs, do not start your new job right away. If you can avoid it, take some time for yourself as best you can. Um, and I took that summer off. It was amazing. 
And then I got to work and started my business in uh, the end of 2019. And then since then, right, I've just been carving away at, in essence, what to me feels like my version of the good life, which is being around my priority people, um, doing work that I love to do, which fits my zone of genius. And for me, that's coaching. Being a life coach is one of the most phenomenal things that I've ever done. And, you know, interestingly, when I was in clinical practice, we used to talk about how we were just midwives who also knew how to use speculums. And, uh, and you know, uh, or we were just life coaches who all, who knew how to catch babies and knew how to use speculums, right? Um, and just disguised as midwives, right? And so, Coaching for me is this way in which I can use the tools of midwifery, like shared decision-making, holding space, um, helping people find their way um, and what's best for them, and to do it so in a way that I'm not on call. You know, I'm not um, capped in terms of my income, in terms of the amount of salary that I can create, right? Entrepreneurship, the beauty about entrepreneurship is that the there is an unlimited amount of earning potential, uh, which I love. Um, there's the opportunity to, um, you know, to work the way that I like to work, which is to focus, have, uh, you know, more time doing, um, half time doing client work and half time doing, uh, project work that really feeds me right as an introverted person. Um, and so, and then, you know, creating a business that essentially I can do from a laptop, which I think is phenomenal, right? One of the benefits of being in this, uh, day and age is that we have access to laptops and things, programs like zoom where, and podcasts just like this, where I can literally take my laptop, connect to Wi-Fi, and I can do whatever the fuck I want. I can make a lot of money. I can make a lot of impact and I can do it in a way that serves me. And that interestingly is what I've been trying, I think, to get to for so long. Midwifery was one of the vehicles that helped me to figure that out and to get to this point. Um, and being a coach is one of the most um, tremendous things that I've done. And I've worked at this point with about 100 clients, uh, whether it was in the, the work doing uh, around creating resumes and CVs that help them to stand out, or it's in business coaching and helping a, another advanced practice nurse create an online business with a coach approach, or whether it is helping an advanced practice nurse become a leader of herself so that she can you know, step into a, a leadership role of others. Um, in all that work, it is absolutely the most exciting work that I have ever done. And I love it. I loved every day of being a midwife. Well, I loved a lot of them. Let's just say it that way. Um, but I love this work so much because it gives me the flexibility that I crave and that I wanted and desired for so long. Um, and let me tell you, you know, it only took missing a couple of the star student activities at school and not being able to close clinic on the fly because, right, they give you a, a week's worth of notice and you don't want to reschedule client, uh, patients. Um, that gets old after a while, as a lot of you guys can probably relate to. So, so, um, so. I think the learning lessons are notice where when you have those moments where you say, I love this. I don't know why. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I love it. I love everything about it. We talked a little bit about this in the manifesto and one of the prior and episode number two, um, right? Noticing when you're, when you have that sense of like, this is me, this is everything. I want this. And, and what you do, how you show up when you are in that mode and when you have those thoughts and those feelings that come up. Um, and I certainly do that a lot with clients, right? We talk about where do you want to be, right? Where, where's your zone of genius? Where can you use your strengths to your advantage and double down on them? Where can you, you know, then use to use them to your advantage 
then learn to manage your brain so that you can outsmart it, so that you can begin to work smarter and not harder, make more money, increase the flexibility, and live the life that feels like it is the good life to you, right? And for some of us, you know, we talk a lot about, about, you know, is that Hawaii and is it first class tickets and carrying a new Birkin bag or having, you know, a pair of Ferragamo heels. And I love all of those things, right? Big black Range Rover, it's in my future. Beach condo, condo in Sanibel, Florida, in my future. Love those things. And I also know too that living the good life can be right here today, right? I can start doing that today. So, um, so that's my story. I hope that was supportive to some of you who, uh, who are trying to find your way and wondering about how to become the person who begins to live her version of the good life. It is possible. I want you to know that, um, I'm living proof and you can use me as a, as an example. Uh, but, but that's how I did it. So if, uh, if you are interested, Women Who Cultivate is available for you. If you are a woman advanced practice nurse and you want to stop feeling exhausted and you want to start feeling empowered so that you can go out and change the world and create your version of living the good life, I want to personally invite you to come over and check us out at Women Who Cultivate. Uh, if you are an advanced practice nurse and you are looking for a way to uh, to take a coach approach into your practice, come on over for one-to-one business coaching. And uh, I would love to have a conversation and see how I can support you. So more on the website, uh, com. I will see you next time, y'all. Okay, bye-bye.